Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today uh, we have somebody who uh, we've often chatted with before, but obviously with Corona, we haven't seen in person for a long time, but she's still been involved in a lot of interesting initiatives. Um, so I thought it was great, a good time to have her back on, and we finally find a time that works. So who am I talking to today? And maybe just give us a brief background for those that aren't familiar with your work. Uh, hi, Simon, great to chat with you today. Um, so I am Mary Capella. I am a Donegal-based technology entrepreneur, I suppose would be how I would describe myself um, usually. Mm -hmm. And my career has spanned, I suppose, going from being commercial accountant through being a tech founder, through being an angel investor, uh, an entrepreneur in residence in academia. And these days, now I find myself as a co-founder of four-month-old Irish cross-border social enterprise called Awaken Hub. Awesome. And, you know, we, we've learned more about that from talking to one of the co-founders. So that's one of the reasons uh, it's going to be interesting to talk to you. Um, in terms of cross-border, um, from the location map you sent me, you, you could literally swim across to to another country, couldn't you? How close is that from you being in Donegal to across the water? I could. I often think that it must be possible to swim straight across uh, Loch Foyle from the beach that's 200 metres from my desk, right across to Benevena Mountain in County Derry. Uh, okay. But then I watch the oil tankers going up and down in the middle of the loch there, Simon, and I think that there's probably like some serious currents happening. <laughs> and I don't think, uh, since I left London, I don't do that mile every morning that I used to do in the pool and... Uh, next thing I know I'll be washed straight out to the Atlantic so I can see it from my window though and I really like that I like the fact that because I'm from Northern Ireland I live in Donegal but I can see Northern Ireland right through the window from my desk and that makes me happy oh definitely I think so I think um the view out, I mean they say in hospitals you know if you're looking out at a wall or you're looking out at something good your recovery time is a lot better so I think it makes sense you know that's so um, interesting yeah <laughs> so so with that cross-border aspect may, may, maybe like give us uh, fill us in on the project i know it's with mary carty and with two others so so what was the inspiration behind it and what's the goal of it well there are four of us we're all irish women two of us are from northern ireland and two from uh, the south so it's it's mary carty claire mcgee sinead crowley and myself mm -hmm. and We've all worked in the space of supporting startups and entrepreneurs, founders for, for years and years, all of us. And we've all been kind of like looking for a project to do together. So this was something that really did come out of, came out of COVID. Um, we all were doing bits and pieces with founders in different parts of the country. And we were surprised at how few of them knew each other, actually, Simon. Um, you know, so if I'm starting an e-learning business in Donegal and you were starting one in Kerry, it's unlikely through the through the likes of Enterprise Island or the local uh, enterprise offices that anybody would have actually introduced us. 
Um, so it would only be if we'd actually managed to find each other by being proactive ourselves. So we just thought that there was probably some value in trying to shift beyond that very county uh, focused way that the ecosystem works to try and do some cross pollination. So that's what we've been doing and it's going pretty well so far. Okay, so so how, how many people, uh, are, what's your cohort and it, what if, if it all goes fantastically well, what, what does good look like? Are you hoping to have, uh, you know become clients for each other like like if it goes really well like what what would good look like well so far what we've done is we have uh we've run a monthly event the next one is actually on the 10th of november and okay. the theme for that one is pivoting you know business pivots we've got three speakers that are talking about how they've pivoted their businesses this year um I guess we've had about, I think we've got nearly a thousand people following us on Twitter. We've only been going for three months and we've probably got 600 or so that have signed up for our newsletter and read the blog and stuff like that. So we are gaining some traction. Mm -hmm. um, I think about 70% of the people that are engaged with us are Irish female founders or people who have corporate jobs at the moment but are very much thinking about launching something in the near future yeah uh, which i always think is quite an interesting uh, group of people um and our long-term sort of views are that we'd we'd like to um grow a sort of a women's business community right across the island of ireland not really sure where we might take that but you know we're looking at a few possibilities we might and an investment club for women off the back of it. Um, that's one possibility. Um, you will know that uh, in Ireland, North and South, the, the numbers of women that actually invest in startup businesses is horrendously small. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the HBAN membership is, you know, really dominated by, by men, and I would say by older men as well. And uh, I think that that leaves uh, it leaves a lot of space for something else to something else to yeah. to emerge. Uh, look, definitely. I mean, and we had Rudy Arnold on, who was saying that if nothing else, the business case for investing in women founders is that the returns are two and a half times higher. So, uh, and and if you, if, you t if you throw in diversity and gender and or conversely, if you don't have that, then then you know they're not necessarily aware to the opportunities. I mean, is that something you have to articulate? A lot of people get that already. Well, I mean, you know, um, Alison Rose has just, the Rose report has just come out. Um, so this is very sort of like Northern Ireland focused, I suppose, but she's the chief exec of the Ulster Bank, part of the World Bank of Scotland these days. Okay. She has written a report, very recent report, which shows that, you know, only 1% really of any capital goes into female founders and um the british business bank released a report last week which shows that percentage of female founded businesses in northern ireland is significantly lower than any of the other regions of the uk significantly lower you know massive difference between uh, between the regions and northern ireland's really lagging behind there so something needs to be done because as you say you know the performance of uh, female founded businesses is good and everybody can stand over that so i don't really understand why more people aren't proactively seeking them as an investment targets 
Yeah, but I think, like you say, if 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 the demographic is uh, older men, then then it's outside necessarily, perhaps of their rate. You know, they need to broaden the things that they're exposed to. Um, I would imagine is you know like they're not seeing it because they're not looking for it. They're not knowing how to look for it in the right places. Um, I mean, like so we did yeah. Maddie Sharma. You know, you know, yeah. who's an entrepreneur from Nottingham, and you know, it's it's just a different place and a different way of doing it. So I guess they're missing that. Yeah, I suppose the other thing is that Ireland is really dominated by uh, software businesses and medtech businesses and life sciences. And anybody that's doing anything that doesn't fall into those pots tends to get ignored by the government agencies north and south and by the uh, accelerators that are connected into the government agencies because they have a very narrow remit about the sorts of businesses that they want to support. And that does end up leaving lots and lots of uh, people out in the wilderness that are actually starting really interesting new businesses in parts of rural Ireland where they're creating jobs and they're creating wealth and they're, you know, they're doing something that's uh, that's not not the normal. And, uh, and we like that sort of stuff too. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and it's almost the nature of what you do is, is you're looking for things that do things differently and are new. Um, so here we are in October. <laughs> it's kind of almost your 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 raison d'etre. Um, so, like, I mean, we're we're eight months into into a, a, a change paradigm and really we're probably going to be at least three to nine more months and in many ways this has been a massive nudge to doing things more online digitally so uh is, is that advice you factor into the uh the mentoring and the the conversations you're having with the people in the network i think so i mean i think that uh i'm not going to go over all the other things that everybody already knows about how the world's changed but the idea that you can build a global business from anywhere is certainly a lot more acceptable than it would have been if we'd been having this conversation in January, Simon, I think. Uh -huh. um, you know, it, it has shifted everybody's mindset away from needing to see people in an office, having to get on a plane and go and uh, visit customers in person. I mean, who knows whether any of that will ever really go back to how it was before. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, and there's lots of examples, I think, of people that are that recognize the, the huge opportunity that that is presenting, that are starting brand new businesses. And I'm really interested in in hearing from those people and connecting with them, because I do think that uh, we're about to see a, a big shift. I don't know what you think yourself about uh, the future of that, the European economy and everything like that. But uh you know, we're in a sort of, a, say we're in a fairly rocky place where we're sitting right now with the COVID ongoing, but also with Brexit in, what is it, 50 something days away oh, from uh, yeah. <laughs> from the UK, exiting from the EU. And, you know, certainly from a Northern Ireland perspective, God only knows where that will leave many businesses. So there's always opportunity in a crisis, isn't there? Well, yeah, this is it. I mean, there are. I mean, I guess as a, we're we're reviewing Netflix, and obviously they survived the the first you know dot com massacre the first time round, uh, and you know 
Amazon, a lot of the companies that now are huge uh, were around when there was the, the recession the last time around. Uh, so if you can get your basics right, then then you come through it. So it's, there's definitely an opportunity. I think also there's a paradigm shift here, whether you are willing to embrace it or not, or how fast you can, I think is the opportunity. Um, be, be because there's a lot of things that we used to do just because we did them the way we did them it doesn't mean we need to, to keep doing them and i think the ones that can move fastest because they're you know i think like jeff bezos and others amazon there are companies that have made much much more out of the last six months than they made before that because of changes in behavior so it's whether you can position yourself to to, to match the the change in what people want and you know i guess yes we're seeing that as a trend and th that matches your what you do and where you are that you're saying you know you're you know if the idea is a good idea then you have a big opportunity um so i guess I, I, as I, as we jump on planes less and do that side of things um what kind of tips do you give to people to to, to still effectively showcase what they do and to communicate why what they have is special i think a lot of people are really struggling with uh with making the shift to online networking uh i noticed that in the uh the podcast that you and mary carty did together you discussed virtual events as a, as a whole section of that particular podcast yeah and i think that's quite interesting um i've had quite a few people just like casual chats with people where they've said sales people have said that they're finding it really difficult to connect with customers without actually going to going to the customer site and seeing the person in the flesh and then lots of other people that um you would sort of know as being people that are real networkers and social butterflies that are you know always at every event that you'd be at saying that they're really struggling with making connections online okay. and so i think that that is a real key piece of anything that anyone's starting right now is you have to be you have to be confident in your abilities to be able to reach out and make connections with people uh, in a virtual world. You know, that, that's the main thing, I suppose. The other bit of it, and uh, early in the lockdown, I did a lot of uh, pro bono mentoring for people who had basically lost their business overnight because it had been based on a physical event happening. Um, mm -hmm. And many of those people in Ireland didn't even have, six or seven months ago, didn't even have a website and many of them have completely rethought their businesses you know and i'm talking about businesses where people were going into corporates and delivering training or people were you know going into corporates and maybe delivering massages to people in their in their office chairs or people who were making jewelry and selling it in markets and you know, all of them have sat back and they've rethought and reimagined their businesses. And many of them are back with something that looks quite different. Um, you know, you mentioned Netflix there, and I sort of think of the world in the past few months has been split between uh, one group of people who are so busy that they haven't got time to go to sleep at night, and everybody else who's sitting around uh, watching Netflix and drinking wine. And that can't, you know, that sort of situation can't last forever. There has to be uh, an evening out, really. I think of, of things. We can't have these extremes. There will, it will reach a, it will reach a place where people figure out what to do next. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting time of kind of flux and yeah. 
you know it's it's that thing is your life on hold or is this the opportunity to make changes that you wanted to make um i mean and so like i mean you 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 moved from london to to somewhere very remote so so does that experience help to inform uh because other people in terms of the adaptations you've made because obviously like prior to covid you would still appear at events so therefore you know you clearly would have periods of intense sociability but most of the time you, you were based somewhere much more remotely and yet you continue to do what you do so so has that helped you to give advice and experience to other people yeah a bit, i mean a bit like yourself as well simon i mean you would be uh, we would be similar in the way that we both live somewhere remote and, and but we both do you know, we've both previously worked in in cities and mm -hmm. in places with lots of people. I mean, for me, for me, it's allowed me to extend my own horizons a lot wider. So I'm now doing some pieces of work with some uh, companies in Switzerland, in Cyprus, in the US, um, and I'm actually speaking at an event this coming week with some female entrepreneurs in in Lebanon. And I mean, that sort of stuff I would never have been able to do before because it would have just been far too much traveling. So it's great that you can you can stretch your own reach. But it is an, it is an issue for people, I think, when they're when they're thinking about their business. Um, I'm also a bit worried, as I'm sure that you are, that hordes of people are going to be moving into the rural areas and blocking uh, up my gorgeous view. Um, Probably just the great work that uh, Tracy and Rose have been doing down at Grow Remote as well. I mean, that's uh, that's really taken off, of course. Um, but are you seeing more people moving out to the islands or uh, chatting uh, about that? Yeah, I think you have a couple of factors there, though. I think some people have a, a romanticized idea of what it's like. So there are people that, that will go to a an Irish island for the su for the summer for a weekend and go oh wouldn't it be great to love here by which but then they immediately go oh well actually though x y and z so you know um, I think there's a gap between people's off the cuff it would be nice versus people still feel that there are a lot of reasons to be in a city so i mean but in the in, in in dublin most recently we gradually moved out of the city center to the point where we were where you that Dublin's actually on the coast, which you don't remember if you're in town. So um, I think sometimes moving from city centre even to the edges of a city is as much of a challenge for some people as, you know, the, the next step beyond that isn't as big a step as getting used to not having everything on your doorstep, but working out, do you need it on your doorstep? Or or, or, or do you want the world on your doorstep? So, but look, I think Gromo is good, great, and and. I, I, you see, like what, what, once Wi-Fi becomes ubiquitous and once, you know, people are judged on the quality and the timeliness of their work and not how long their bums on a seat, then it becomes more possible to, to be more remote. Uh, and, and we're moving that way. But I think a lot of people still feel that it's a bigger jump than it actually is. So I guess that's my answer. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any point in in moving somewhere like rural Donegal and then looking around and looking for and looking for a job I think you have to be clear about what your purpose is and what you're going to do with yourself mm -hmm. uh, before you decide to make that kind of move but I think if you are a person that is you know hankering after uh, a change in a change in life 
changing your lifestyle or changing where you are now is probably a really good time to do that. Um, I sort of hear on the uh, I hear on the um, on the rumor mill that lots of the London tech people have uh, sold off and moved to Portugal. Don't know if you heard that as well, but that's what my London tech friends are saying. Many of them have uh, packed up, sold up, and either moved out to the coast of uh, southern England or they have actually headed over to Portugal. There's loads of them gone. Well, or Amsterdam is the other. Yeah, Amsterdam is has. We, we, we were there a few times for blockchain stuff. They have a lot. Uh, I actually lived in Spain before I came to Ireland, and there's a lot of similarities culturally and, and in terms of quality of life and valuing food and family and, and not just working. So, you know, the, the lifestyle is, is great there. I mean, you know, in, in many ways, you know, uh, I always <laughs> I miss the. I missed the weather a bit when I left Spain to come to Ireland, but <laughs> but in terms of a headset, uh, I, I think both make sense, you know. Um, so I can. It's yeah. that you mentioned Spain actually because um, the Awaken Hub idea came out of a series of conversations with a women's group in Spain. Okay, go um, on. Yeah. Uh, there's a group. There's a, a very different sort of uh, angel network that has grown in Spain over the past two years. And it's now, uh, they're now at about 160 women that are part of that. Um, and they're very much about, you know, it's very much that idea about women helping other women to get started, uh, which really resonated with us. So I agree with you. I think that uh, there's a lot of affinity between Spain and Ireland um, in, an, look at in an approach and whatever, you know. Cool. Um, and you see this, Another thing we're seeing is, is that people are suggesting that in the future, uh, customers and clients will move to companies and brands and services that they feel are aligned with their own values uh, in terms of uh, sustainability, planet, and basically, are you the sort of people that, that we trust and believe in? Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a, that's a significant factor? In some ways, I mean, the fact that you drew inspiration from a similar group in Spain does suggest that, that we're looking globally for positive role models and examples of how we want to do things. And I'm just wondering if, if you see that as something that will increase in the future. Yeah, I mean, I always find it fascinating the way that people go about finding a job because it's usually the exact opposite of the way that I would go about it. Okay. You know, I would never in my life, and I have, I don't think I have ever actually applied for any of the jobs that I've had. It's come, you know, they've kind of come to me. But mm -hmm. if I was looking for a job right now, and you're absolutely right, and I think with the, um, with the rise of the millennials and all that sort of good stuff, people do want something really different from, from their working life than what people 20 years ago did yeah um you know i would just sort of think about the sort of company that i wanted to work for and i would make a list of them and then i would look for a way to have a conversation i wouldn't apply for vacancies and i certainly wouldn't entertain the pain of going to work in a company that didn't have similar values to my own i think it's you know i think it's a mission to nothing I think your career has got to be about so much more than just a short-term gratification in terms of like earning money so that you can pay your bills. Um, I know that's something that you and me have talked about in the past, um, you know, about really sort of assessing what it is that you want from, from work and from life and then figuring yeah. out how to make that happen. But 
it horrifies me how few people actually do do that. You know, people just get caught on that whole hamster wheel of I work here, I go here every day, this is what I do. And they don't lift their heads and think, is this actually what I want to do? Yeah. Um, and now they've been locked up in their houses for six months to reevaluate this. <laughs> yeah. So we're bound to see some changes happening, surely. Uh, and the other annoying thing, I suppose, is the, is the companies that that realize that they have to that they are going to get dragged kicking and screaming and they have to change and now they're imposing all sorts of uh rules on people about oh now that you're at home you know we're going to pay you less money or we're going to do this that and the other and that whole thing really stinks because imagine how much money they must be saving yeah yeah I think so, but I mean, it's a, again, like, so we've just been sent this Netflix book because it's about the culture of Netflix and it's on the business books of the year. And and therefore, there are interesting examples, like, because you don't have to itemize your budgets of what you're going to spend. You just have to make a decision about, is this in the best interest of Netflix? You know, like, it, it, you know, rather than going through procurement and permission. And And I think many companies look at, you know, this whole best place to work aspect does help to raise the bar and like you say to give comparisons between is this somewhere I'd like to work or is this not aligned with me so you know I think it allows like Glassdoor it allows people to see more is this a good fit for me or not so yeah it's funny that you mentioned Netflix though because when uh, the last business that I started uh, when we were looking for a set of values somebody and this is this must be 2008 or 2009 somebody found the netflix values and that was great so we just lifted them because it saved us having to bother writing our own they were basically perfect we stuck them upon our website and it was a good six months before anybody said to us you know they're awfully like the netflix values you've got up there <laughs> well this is good because this leads into uh who and where do you get your inspiration and information from? Like, like how, how, how does Mary McKenna remain at the cutting edge? Oh, I liked what you said earlier about uh, spending, spending my life looking for like curious new things or new companies or whatever. That uh, I talk to a lot of people. I, uh, I actually had a little look at my uh, LinkedIn. I only connect with people on LinkedIn that are you know that I could actually lift the phone and ring if I needed to. I don't accept all those billions and billions of uh, connection requests that come in. Mm -hmm. And since the start of COVID, I have actually added almost 300 new people to my LinkedIn community. Uh, so you know, I do just speak to a phenomenal number of, uh, of people. I'm mentoring several startups in different parts of the world right now. I think I have something like six different mentee relationships on the go two of them actually two of the founding teams that i'm working with are brothers two sets of brothers thinking okay. about writing a book about this actually simon i think it's an interesting topic siblings beginning companies together um and I, I think are you mentoring are you mentoring stripe no no those guys <laughs> don't need any help do they <laughs> I am. Uh, I did wonder though last week whether or not I maybe left the e-learning world too soon when I saw uh, when I saw how much money uh, LearnerCon had raised, forty-seven okay. million euro for a minority stake 
in an Irish e-learning business is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, Did you see that? Uh, no, but that sounds good. <laughs> mm. So I suppose, you know, just having having a lot of conversations, spending a lot of time chatting to people, that's uh, that's where I, that's how I keep my finger on the pulse, I think. Awesome. So um, it's, it's, it's been really good to talk to you. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to say? And then how do people find out about you and what you're doing and the various projects that you're supporting? I think I've probably talked enough today, Simon. I mean, people will find me on Twitter. My Twitter space is rather noisy, but uh, it's a good place to get hold of me. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or you can uh, read my blog. It's at uh, kickingassets.co.uk. Awesome. And, and we'll include the link to the blog uh, in, in the bio to the piece as well. So people can find it easily. Um, so look, uh, thanks very much. I think it's been fun and good to talk to you. Uh, thanks ever so much, Sam. Great to catch up with you and uh, good luck with everything that you're doing. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.